Joy and welcome to the Australian Bitcoin podcast. My name is Daniel Wilczynski. So I'll be taking over hosting of the podcast from Justin. Justin has left out him at Hardblock. If you're listening to this, you already know he done a great job with the podcast, but he's moving on to other things within the Bitcoin space. You can still find him at Mission Bitcoin on Twitter. And Justin was particularly, he had huge knowledge about Bitcoin and especially about privacy. I don't have such a big knowledge on the privacy related matters in Bitcoin, but I have been in Bitcoin for a while and I'm always trying to learn more about Bitcoin. And this is the aim of a podcast for me to learn about Bitcoin and create content that you, the listener, can learn from also. So for today's guest, we have Paul Stork. Paul Stork is a long-time Bitcoiner and he's also a long-time advocate since around 2014 of something called drive chains. So drive chains is a type of side chain for Bitcoin. In the show, we talk about what exactly are drive chains and side chains, how they're an improvement to Bitcoin, the potential of the technology, uh, which hasn't really been utilized much yet. But uh, Paul really makes some compelling arguments of why side chains are something very interesting, exciting, and why there's a lot of potential there and why his proposal for implementing drive chains, why that's an improvement to the existing side chains. So because this is my first time doing hosting the podcast, there were some issues. Mainly I had some issues with my microphone, which wasn't working, so I had to use a different microphone. So the sound quality was not that great, unfortunately but I think the content was still pretty good. And uh, if, you, if you don't know much about side chains or drive chains, I think you get something from it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Hardblock, Australia's oldest Bitcoin-only exchange. We make it really easy for you to have dollar cost averaging with payments going from your bank account automated into your hardware wallet. If you haven't, give us a shot. So let's move on to the show. Okay, hi, Paul. Welcome to the Australian Bitcoin podcast. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I've been listening to a lot of your material lately, and um, I heard that you don't like to do introductions. You like to just get straight into a waste, a waste of the audience's scarce time. You know, the audience, they only have so much time in every day and they can decide after they hear the meat if they right. care about who the person is. Okay, fair enough. That's, uh, I think there's some value in that. So should we get into it? Should we get into oh, the sure, meat and potatoes? Um, so maybe you can explain to us. Uh, so. What are what are side chains? How did they originate? Where did the idea 
come from? Well, um, the idea is normally said to have orig originated with the Blockstream's October 2014 uh, paper. The actual idea is like uh, slowly evolved, like Satoshi invented merged mining in 2010. And mm -hmm. that was in relation to the invention of Namecoin. And Satoshi understood that they could, in fact, both use the same miners, mm -hmm. different nodes, same miners. And yeah. that was kind of, that was not side chains, but that was still pretty close. Because the, the side chains get really cool because of merge mining. That was 2010. Then uh, altcoins started to come out. Most of them sucked, but some of them were interesting. And the question was, what do we do about this? So it was a solution to the problem of altcoins because you had like uh, people wanted to try different things, ZK snarks, ring signatures, Schnorr signatures, SegWit, all this stuff you couldn't try on Bitcoin because people hadn't figured out how. And they were like, well, we'll try it on a different piece of software. But then people were like, how, that's not good because now we have more and more new coins coming out and we don't want that. We want everyone to be unified in one team. And so the idea is you send Bitcoin to a different piece of software. So the coin, so a sidechain is an altcoin, but without the coin. So it's a sidechain, it's an altcoin, but with Bitcoin. So a completely different piece of software, yeah. but same 21 million Bitcoin. Okay. And you mentioned magic mining. So we're going to be talking about a lot of a lot about magic mining. So what what, what is magic mining? Merge mining means that someone can work on. Uh, Instead of just trying to find a Bitcoin block, they can do something very easily where they try to find the block of two different blockchains at the same time. And that does not require them to do any extra hashing at all. But they, if they find the block, they get, they get a basically, they find a Bitcoin block and they find a bunch of other blocks for free. And they collect, since they find all those blocks, they collect all the transaction fees and all the, the block rewards. So they get so, more money in exchange for yeah. doing basically nothing, and everyone, everyone's blocks are united by the same, the same huge mining network. So okay. the naive, they have a, they are a very secure against a naive, fifty-one percent attack from from outside because they have all Bitcoin's hash rate. There's this so, debate over whether or not that actually, when push comes to shove, that matters because the Bitcoin miners only care about the merge miners to the extent that they contribute revenue so if the revenue is like one one thousandth of the bitcoin revenue then they presumably would only care one one thousandth as much but to an attacker who's just going to try to rewrite the chain is as if it this these other altcoins for example Namecoin, it's a, it's a, it's as if they have like a huge amount of hash power way more than you know it's basically a tie with bitcoin is the, yeah. is the idea so basically when some when a miner is doing merged mining He's mining on both chains. He, he's getting yes. he's doing the same mining, but he gets reward from both chains at the same time. That's it. Okay. And do current do side do all side chains have to do merged mining? No. And in fact, it's not possible for this the merge. A counterintuitive thing about merge mining is you would think like you have like the host, and then you have a bunch of guests. And you think like the host has to like do something to invite the guests in, but mm -hmm. 
but that's not what happens at all. So when Namecoin merge mining was invented, what they actually do is they're actually finding the Namecoin block, but the Namecoin block is, is assembled in such a way that part of the Namecoin block like is a Bitcoin block header, so, so to speak. This is very hard to like explain, yeah. so I'm yeah. just going to yeah. do my best. But, but basically, the point is they switched to a different piece of software. So actually, Bitcoin Core BTC cannot do anything to stop Namecoin from being merged mined with it at all. And in that sense, it actually has no idea whether or not how many coins are being merged mined. So the merge mine, and that's for an altcoin. That's a situation where you have a, an alt, Namecoin is an altcoin. It is not a sidechain. So an altcoin can do merge mining or it cannot do merge mining. And there's nothing that Bitcoin can do to stop it or cause it to happen or even know whether or not it's happening or do anything about it. It's a very independent thing. It comes from the from the guest. Right. So basically, Namecoin has is a reference to Namecoin blocks on the Bitcoin blockchain. And obviously, the Bitcoin blockchain is open. So anybody is free to put whatever they want in there. And there's a reference yeah. to the Namecoin. Namecoin. So when the mail... Uh, Namecoin. Yeah. Namecoin, yeah. So is that correct? Is my understanding correct? The actual detail in Namecoin merge mining, uh, as I understand it, is there's a Coinbase output that has a hash, and that hash is stuff that wouldn't be in a normal Namecoin block header if there was no merge mining. And then the entire Namecoin block header is actually includes Bitcoin header, that Coinbase output, the Coinbase, the you know, the Merkle branch leading to that output, and so basically. The Namecoin block contains the Bitcoin header, mm -hmm. but not the rest of the Bitcoin block. Only the header, which is eighty bytes, plus a, you know a little bit else, like the Merkle branch is like whatever, like fifty bytes. Depends. Well, it could be like it depends. Like a couple, um, maybe a couple hundred bytes, but but this is tiny. You know, uh, the one Bitcoin block is between is you know and now they're like about two million two million bytes so this is nothing at all compared to you so know, did, you, did you say the nine coin blockchain contains the bitcoin header yes okay okay so i don't know but so i thought it was only the bitcoin blockchain that contains the the, the bitcoin the, block yeah. chain contains a coinbase output yeah, so in yeah. the first transaction of the block there is a little hash yeah, yeah. Uh, so there is something inside the Bitcoin, but the merge mining kind of turns a couple things upside down. So I hope it's not too confusing. Yeah. It's a very confusing topic. Uh, it's very, it's very unexpected. It's, it's as if you are like pulling a, a tow cable or something and you start clipping more stuff on and it becomes easier to pull. It's a very bizarre and unusual, um, situation, but what it's really doing is, um, well, I don't want to keep saying different things and maybe just more confusing than helpful, but it's basically the Coinbase pulls off a different strand. And in that transaction, there's a whole, there's a new block header and then there's a new block. And, but only the people who run the name coin software see that everyone else just sees a bunch of scrambled stuff in the Coinbase. Okay. Okay. And getting back to the motivations for side chains. So you, there's an interesting quote which you uh, said about Satoshi, which I assume it's true, but I heard in one of your talks, and where Satoshi said something that in the future there will be many different blockchains with different characteristics and purposes. And he said that old coins are not inherently evil. 
but in practice, most are waste. And I agree with you. In practice, most are waste. Are waste. And like at Hardbook, we kind of Bitcoin maximalists, but we don't want to get too. I agree with you. I, I think like it, it's interesting for Bitcoin maximalists. Maybe some of them aren't aware of Satoshi Satoshi's quote about that. And I guess there is uh, something to consider: is are some of the altcoins? Do they actually do something useful? I, I like what you said. In, also, you said something where we keep the Bitcoin bias layer very simple and secure, and then we can use side chains for experimenting with more, with less secure and um, less secure blockchains and less, less secure and more bloated ideas. So is that, does that, do, yeah, so just what's your comment on that? Do you think that's part of the motivations of sidechains? Yeah. I think the thing to read is uh, <clears throat> the thread called the BitDNS and generalizing Bitcoin. That's where they invent, merge, Satoshi co-invents merge mining. And he says a number of interesting things there. Like he says, he says that space in Bitcoin's chain will be expensive in contrast to the merge mine chains because he says there's an unlimited there's going to be an unlimited number of those and he is very okay with them being different he, it's it's clear from the context like he doesn't say all this stuff directly but you should read for yourself and just it's, it's clear that he's saying he's saying the bitcoin chain will will be small and have high fees because it will be it will be superior it will be hierarchically superior but there will be lots of other stuff and he he talks in a way like he knows that people can add new chains so he knows that some will be low quality so he knows that it has to be designed so that we ignore the low quality networks and so he clearly has in mind this this big heterogeneity this big difference that there'll be a lot of stuff out there and uh he he clearly thought this merge mining thing was kind of a no-brainer, but in practice, we have seen people want to compete more compete with Bitcoin, and they have their own mining. It's very you know Ethereum or whatever doesn't do merge mining with Bitcoin, so it was a very interesting <clears throat> it's a very interesting thread because you can see what he was thinking in 2010, and um, so that's what everyone should read that, and then and you know they'll see that he co-invents Namecoin sort of. And so obviously that's that's a little bit of a um, it's a little bit of a kind of a if you think think about Bitcoin maximalism it's kind of bizarre that Satoshi would invent basically the first altcoin and that is something that everyone should think about because Satoshi was just a guy into really cool ideas and he set immediately to work not to discredit Namecoin but he was like how can we fit it in how can we fit it into the Bitcoin right project. Right. Yeah, right. I think part of the problem is a lot of shitcoiners, the idea isn't really to experiment and do innovation. The right. primary motivation is for them to get rich by creating yeah. their old And other people's expense. Yeah. Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. zero-sum or negative-sum game yeah. where yeah. it's uh, the competition is not helping anything improve. <clears throat> so that's yeah. too bad. Yeah, and that's that has made people feel uh, annoyed and that has made, and rightly so, I mean, something I often say is that there's a big difference between Litecoin, 
which is just big. It's a big difference between going from nothing to Bitcoin, where Satoshi had to do an enormous amount of work, marginal effort to make Bitcoin from a blank piece of paper. But then to go from Bitcoin to Litecoin, it's just a couple of lines of code that are changed. And so it's quite offensive to just, you know, say this is a new thing because it's not, there's no actual novelty. And so that's annoying. And that has made people uh, close ranks around the Bitcoin software, which now has actually cut against sidechains because now people have been trained to think that the Bitcoin software is just a priori, just the superior software. And now they are closed-minded and they can't imagine going <clears throat> to some other piece of software for any reason, which is too bad. Uh, one huge victim of this is the large block, like a scaling sidechain idea because people have been trained to think the large blocks as bad and of anyone who advocates them as very naive. But really, they are bad, but it's not... It's bad as, like, if you could only pick one, you would pick the large block. It's like saying first class is better than coach, you know? Yes, it is. But maybe not everyone can afford first class. <laughs> so coach should still be around, you know, on an airplane. Mm. So... Coach should still be around. There's not like if you can get it for free, the plane can tack on a bunch of coach seats. They're not as good, but it's very irrational for people to oppose that because there's no downside. Whereas changing the layer one block size and increasing it is an enormous downside. So it's a night and day difference. But that has been a big casualty of this idea and of the you know the anxiousness of the shitcoiners to release low quality poorly thought out projects and just shove them on people and, and, and corrupt all the, the dialogue around that. So that is unfortunate. Yeah. I think also part of the problem is I feel if as Bitcoin maxes, if we say well, there is some value in experiment, in experimenting with altcoins, if we say that shit coiners and newbies, we were yeah. like, oh, so there's a value. So my shitcoin number 5073, yeah. Shiba Inu classic is, <laughs> yeah. is, is like, is, yeah. Yeah. They'll season that to say, okay, my, so you, you see these guys are saying like old coins are good and yeah. Right. That's a hundred percent correct. So that's too bad because this, the, side, the people who want sidechains, we are constantly, uh, we're, in a, we're in between two worlds, sort of, because if people want to try something new, they, they say, I'll do it as a sidechain for a little while. Vitalik Buterin, uh, well, that's a bad example, but David Vorick, he was going to do like a bit, like a storage uh, filecoin type thing, but there is no, there's no Bitcoin sidechain. So he made his altcoin and there's nothing else you can do. So then, then once people make their altcoin, now they feel responsible for it. It pulls people right out of the, the coalition. So unfortunately, the coalition constantly loses people, which is a big political problem. And okay, but going back to the history of Bitcoin, so I believe in okay. 2014, there was uh, the sidechain white paper released. And it, at that time, it was a pretty big deal. I remember everybody tweeting how they're reading the sidechain white paper in the app line. And yeah, so maybe like you can explain, but what was in that sidechain white paper and what, what was new in there? 
Well, uh, it kind of laid out, um, I'm not exactly sure what they were going for specifically, but I think they were trying to put a lot of big names behind because the number of co-authors is enormous. So like when I write something, it's just me, but that paper is like whatever, everyone, Greg Maxwell, Adam Back, Luke Dash Jr., I don't know, I don't, uh, Peter Weil, all these people, really big names, Mark Freidenbach, whatever, these very huge names are on the paper especially at the time. And they were, I think they were just trying to like put out some definitions of things and they were just trying to get the concept into the Overton window and they succeeded completely with that. They had a lot of like, you could do this or you could do that, which I didn't like because I thought they should just say exactly what to do. It should be like a spec, but they said like, you know, they could be symmetric or asymmetric or they could be merge mind or not merge mind or they could be whatever, something else. Um, and then they had a proposal in Appendix B for something called the skip list. And that was the sort of the invention, I guess. But that never came to pass. That was never done. Okay. So what were some of the options we talked about? And from those options, which which one, uh, because there's different ways to do side chains, what are the, some yeah. of the different ways to do side chains? And what's your opinion? Which is the well, way we I should be doing them? There's, there's Appendix B, but Appendix A, I think it's Appendix A, was just like uh, this idea of the Federation. And if you go back and if you read carefully, and if you also, you can go back and watch talks given by people from Blockstream around the time, including especially Greg Maxwell, who... They did this big uh, Blockstream video, and then Greg is introduced as the author of the two-way peg. Uh, if you go back and look at it in historical context, this multi-sig thing was supposed to be like a very temporary stopgap thing. They were, they were like, we can't do si the, the new technology of sidechains yet, but we can do this, where we just have a group, a mul basically a multi-sig wallet. And they said, we can do that uh, until we get the real, the true sidechain. But they never did that. They stuck with this federation thing. And uh, But then over time, because of uh, marketing reasons, because of the block size war, because of Samson now related reasons, they started to flip this. This idea took root in people's heads as the multi-sig wallet being a real sidechain. And now that is probably how people use the term. So the term's definition has changed, which is fine. But uh, the new definition is uh, kind of like anything that is moving Bitcoin not on layer one. So by that definition, lots of things are sidechains, including every exchange, like Coinbase is a sidechain, if they have their money in a multi-sig wallet, which they do. So uh, so that the definition, unfortunately, has been kind of uh, beaten up, Okay, which is so too you, bad. So the way, when, when you said the federated multi-sig model, so you basically for the audience, so that base, tell me if I'm saying this correctly, but my understanding is um, basically you have um, the side chain is essentially a kind of multi-sig where there's a few parties, maybe six, seven, or eight central parties, but part of that multi-sig, 
and they call so that's kind of a federated model and they control uh, basically they have to agree to the next block um, is, is that is, is my understanding correct there uh, well, uh, in this context, it refers to the fact that the coins are locked to them. There's a different thing about how the next block is found, but it happens to be basically that same idea. Um, so there's two separate things. There's the peg in, peg out. There's the coin thing. Who, who, what, what locks the Bitcoin? And then there is how the blocks are found. And so that one would be merge mining. And this, the other one would be something like um, BIP 300 or the multisig output or something else. So the multisig thing in the case of Liquid is, uh, I'm pretty sure, 8 of 15 multisig. And uh, they also have, uh, it's unclear how anyone knows if this is true or not, but they're supposedly like HSMs, like these little box boxes that, hold the keys and you can't copy the keys off of them. I mean, supposedly there's no real way to audit any of that or prove any of that or prove that the keys were generated only on the box. So I don't really know why, <clears throat> you know, who they think they're kidding when they keep saying that, but uh, I guess that's the thing they say. So. Okay. And for just to explain for the audience, liquid is probably the most famous implementation of a side chain, the most active one, at least. Yes. And it's in, by Blockstream, um, yeah, and uses that federated model. So, okay, I'm still not 100% sure. So if the federated models, they don't control the creation of the blocks, but they decide when you want to transfer blocks between the, sorry, when you want to transfer coins mm -hmm. between the Bitcoin blockchain and the side chain, that has yes, to be particularly when you want to take them out. You say I want I want them back on layer one. I'm a new owner on the side chain. Yeah. But layer one isn't looking at the side chain. So layer one will just be like it can't look at the side chain to know what happens, but it has to look at something to know who should get the coins and who should not. And what it does in this case is it asks fifteen people basically. Okay. Okay. Who should who gets the coins? It's a, fixed, yeah. it's a big contrast between mining where there's no fixed list of miners it can constantly change the mining world can constantly change and if all the miners died new miners could show up without any modification to the bitcoin system but in the liquid multisig world it is a, a fixed list i mean there's ways of updating the list but uh i don't think any of that has been implemented yet and i don't think i'm not sure exactly how i'm pretty sure to update the list you need the 15 people to update it so it's kind of circular, whereas none of that is the case in finding a Bitcoin block or moving Bitcoins. So it's very different in that way. Okay, and you also mentioned something called like two-way peg, and so yes. what does that mean exactly? Like, what's when we even say pegging in and pegging out and two-way peg? So is two-way peg a different model than the yes. federated model? No, this is a weird phrase, I guess. Uh, it comes from, I'm pretty sure it just comes from like foreign exchange, like Forex markets, because it's referring to the idea that you can have a currency peg. So I'm pretty sure like the EC, the the Caribbean dollar is like 2.5 of those always equals one American dollar or something like that. 
So there's a fixed relationship. So you don't have to really worry about, it's kind of interoperable. It's kind of like, you know, if you take money out of an ATM, your checking account balance will go down by a certain amount, $100, and you get $100 in cash. So it's saying they exchange at par. And that means you don't have to worry about, you don't have to think about the relevant issues or the risks. You don't have to think about like, what's the difference between paper currency and a checking account? Well, nothing really, because you can put $20 into the ATM and get $20 in the checking account, or you can take $20 out of the ATM. And so you don't have to like worry about anything. You're just in the same system. And so the idea is you don't have, you have an altcoin without the coin. How do you do anything over there? You, you send seven Bitcoin into it, and then uh, the you lose seven coins on the main chain on Bitcoin Core, and then you gain seven coins on the side chain. So they are, okay. that's the idea of it's pegged. When they come back, they pay. So there's no like, there's not like a fluctuating exchange, right? Where there's like Coinbase. Okay. So it basically means the, the exchange rate is static. So we yeah, have exactly. uh, the Bitcoin and let's say Bitcoin side chain and one Bitcoin exchanges for 10 Bitcoin side chains and that exchange rate is static. Right. If you did that, uh, then back time would be one when it came back. Right. Yeah. And so that's called a two-way peg. Correct. But because the there was originally yeah. something called one-way pegging, which is all these are silly names, of course. But um, the idea was you can have the coins move in one direction where if you wanted them to go on like on a one-way street, there was a block and um, the, uh, you, you could have a, a situation where you moved like eight coins in and you got eight coins over there, but you could never get them back out. But, so, but people liked that at first because they were like, this is a cool idea. We can put new stuff. We can have like Bitcoin 2.0. We could have whatever we want in here. And the only issue is we have to, as long as we keep making it better and better, no one will want to go back to the old version. But people were like, ah, people were kind of like, eh, this is now this depends on an assumption, you know? Because when it's a one-way street, you get real nervous about putting coins in in the first place because you think, now I'm doing something that I can never undo. So that's no good. So the two-way peg concept is gives you the undo button. You put coins in the side chain. You're like, wait a minute. You take them out and you're worse. You're no worse off than you were before. And you can see how that would be appealing. Okay. I understand now. And in the federated model is the exchange right controlled by the federated nodes? It's also fixed. So that one has a two-way oh, peg, fixed. but it's not, okay. it's not like a decentralized. It's not a dynamic membership. It's a fixed static membership. Okay. So, okay. So now moving on to drive chains. So that's your idea of how side chains should be done. Is is that correct? Yes, and it is. So, what is drive chains? How how do they differ than the current implementations like Liquid? Yes. Well, it's not. Um, they don't use the fixed member. They just use the set of of Bitcoin miners as the the uh, the authenticators of which coins go where um so that's for a variety of reasons 
one reason is already uh, miners have an, a lot of uh, power in Bitcoin, believe it or not. They they don't have a lot, but they 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 have kind of enough, like to the point where if fifty one percent of miners were just evil per se, they would you would be doomed no matter what. The Lightning Network would be doomed, side chains would be doomed, and the regular chain would be doomed. So you already have you're already kind of assuming that they are. Uh, if you lose that, then you're losing a lot. Now, the question is, uh, maybe they would be persuaded because the design is bad. Opportunity makes the thief, as they say. So um, am I inducing them to steal a bunch of coins? Well, I say that risk is up to the user to take. So same with Liquid. Like they could, Those people could steal their Bitcoin, the, the members of the multisig. So I say, well, just well, well, this is up to the user. And if the if the chain is well, the side chain is well designed, it will increase mining transaction fees and it will increase the exchange rate of the coin. So miners will want to keep it around. Um, but yeah, so the history of that was Blockstream came out of the thing in 2014. Uh, in 2015, it was it became clear to me that they were not they were they were going very slow. They were not actually releasing. The decentralized sidechain technology, that just the multi-sig band-aid that was the temporary stopgap. And so I wrote this post in November 2015. And it was a good, uh, I thought it was a perfectly good idea because the scaling war was happening and the large blockers, they were very okay with something called SPV mode. And that was one, something where there was a vulnerability in SPV mode where miners can steal coins from you uh, if you are only SPV and you are not in a full mode. But I thought, okay, listen, we can if, if they are already willing to assume that, then it's going to cost them nothing to switch to the large block sidechain. So I was like, the large blockers will be happy and the small blockers will be happy because we're not going to change the block size on mainchain Bitcoin Core at all. It'll stay low. So we have small blocks and large blocks at the same time. So in 2015, I thought this will be, uh, this is the way to go. This fixes the block size dilemma because we just have, we have every, one of each of the things that we want and uh, no, and so then everyone's happy. So that's what I was thinking when it came out. Uh, unfortunately, the timing wasn't great because there was scaling one and scaling two, September 2015 and December 2015. And my idea came out in the middle but scaling was set, teeing up segregated witness. And then lightning, which was people thought would be in, it was said that it would be done by April 1st or something. I don't know why anyone said that, but they said, we'll do SegWit, we'll be done by April 1st, and then we'll have lightning, and then everything will be fine. And so that's what they said. And then that what people focused on that, and they did not focus on my idea until much later. Okay, so you, your your idea was during that big blog debate. It was about using yes. drive chains to give the big blockers what they want, which is a big block side chain to Bitcoin. And if they want big blocks, they can just transfer over the bitcoins to big blocks, which is like right. letting the market decide in a fair way. It's letting the user decide. Yeah, yeah. You know, the yeah. user can do whatever they want if they run the. Large block software, then they have to process the larger blocks. But if they don't want to do that, then they just don't have to. Okay. So I'm, and I'm, but I'm still like, don't fully understand. So the difference 
between the drive chains and the current side chains like liquid is that you don't use the federated the drive right. chains don't use that federated. But basically really is that the only main difference? Well, it's kind of a big difference because you yeah. have a little bit of a not your keys, not your coins problem with liquid because it is a federation, but it's like uh they they have the money so in in um in drive chain also the miners have the money but that's what i was trying to say before is that mining is like a process so there's no names there's no fixed owners and so drive chain the miners sort of own the coins but they kind of already own the coins <clears throat> to some extent so the uh in drive chain the miners on the coins and what i do instead is i <clears throat> i throw a bunch of stuff in the way of the miners so that it's very difficult for them to coordinate to steal the coins. But if anyone wants to use the system in an honest way, that happens very quickly and reliably. So I tried to set it up so that the withdrawals are very slow. They take months. But this doesn't matter because users can swap the coins <laughs> without using BIP300. They can swap them out on exchange or using HTLCs or something. So there's no disadvantage to them. And so the only people who will walk the coins back across will be very patient people or the miners themselves. Uh, and so those people are, they're unlikely to steal from themselves. So the whole thing is designed, uh, but there's, a, there's an important difference, which is the miners, again, the mining, mining is a process. So mining means that no one can stop you from adding a new side chain no one can like if they if someone killed all the miners, new miners would show up without anyone doing anything. So with liquid, there's a multi-sig, but if you want to, let's say instead of liquid, you wanted to do something else, like Zcash sidechain. In the liquid model, you have to find 15 new people. And then you have to say, this is a new <clears throat> excuse me, this is a new federation. And um and then that has no reputation at the you know on day one, so people have to decide whether or not they they trust that that multisig thing, uh, and so it's difficult to start up something new. But in BIP three hundred, we already have the mining network, so you can just spin up a new side chain sort of whenever you want. Uh, there's also I think a better incentive alignment because in BIP three hundred and in everything really, the, all the money is going to go to the miners because they can gate, they can filter anything they don't like. So in BIP 300, uh, the miners get all the fees. In Liquid, all the fees go to a wallet controlled by Blockstream. So the miners have, they, they don't really lose very much if Liquid goes offline and they don't really gain a lot if Liquid is popular. In fact, they kind of lose, they kind of lose out because the fees are going down. So the idea is to uh, align the incentives better. Uh, have miners just be like miners are very they they're driven by profits they they want revenue so they can do this if they have an optional activity where if they want they can add a chain uh, and then there's more revenue for all of them and then if the something go if the chain is badly behaving or if there's something wrong then they lose money and so that is designed to keep the miners as like you know, cheerleaders and champions of the, all the all the side chains of the system, 
And it's also like it happens to be the fact that, you know, with mining, it's unclear the physical location. It's unclear the identity of the miner. So mining is a really a lot is much better than the multisig idea because the multisig, you take out the multisig people and it's over. But with mining, it is unkillable. Okay. So does that mean the federated liquid, it doesn't use merge mining? Well, again, uh, it doesn't, but um, what it, uh, the, yeah. we're talking about the coins. Yeah. So there's a difference yeah. between the coins, which is the, the escrow, the account that holds yeah. coins that you move in, custody of the coins, and that's different from how blocks appear. So, for example, liquid, the blocks are once every minute, I think. So, so they, but whereas bitcoins are once every 10 minutes, so that would not be easy. You could do that with merge mining, but it would be convoluted. Uh, so it's not very that was a kind of a giveaway that it's they do. Um, I don't remember exactly what it is, but it's some kind of like, uh, you like Paxos, some kind of older consensus thing that doesn't even use mining. Okay. So they don't really use merge mining on the federated, but the drive chains do use merge mining. Well, yes, because drive chain is a uh, bit 300 plus 301. And that's the type of merge mining. Okay, uh, okay. But I, I think you're crazy if you don't do merge mining because you're already trusting the miners. No matter what you do, even if you use Lightning Network, 51% can still screw you over. Uh, so that's not good. Uh, but if you're already going that far, then uh, you kind of lose nothing by putting the... If you merge mine, then it's the same group. And then this is in drive chain trip 300, the 51% group uh, can move the coins. And so you, you're really not losing anything at all by doing merge mining. But what you get is you get all the mining for free. Whereas there's also something very bad in sidechains where the sidechains have no block reward, so they don't make any new coins. So the only thing they have is their fees. That's the only thing the miners can earn. So in Bitcoin, we get a, whatever it is, six and a little uh, minted. And, uh, but then we also get the fees. So it could be like seven Bitcoin total. But on the sidechain, you only get the fees. So there's a bad situation where the the reward is extra volatile on the sidechain. Because it can like go to zero, for example. The whole reward, 100% of it, can go to zero. Whereas if it was Bitcoin, it could just go down from seven to 6.25 or whatever. So uh, then... Uh, when it's volatile, you don't maybe you don't know when will another block be found. Will it ever be found? You have an issue. But if it's merge mining, then it, all the blocks are just coming in for free, so you don't have to think about that. You just think, how much extra money am I getting? Oh, ten cents. Well, that's another ten cents in my pocket, you know, for free. So it doesn't really matter as much. You just leave everything running. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. That's why I think you're crazy if you don't do merge mining. But people can do it. They can do on the side chain. They can make uh, whatever mistakes they want, and no one can stop them. Including me. Yeah, that makes sense. So again, I'll start something. Tell me if I'm understanding this correctly. So in the federated model, obviously, the federations could get together to steal money on the side chain. And yes. in theory, in the in your model, the if you have more than fifty percent of the hash power, the miners could, in theory, steal the funds the coins that were deposited to the side chain yeah. yes yeah so and that's different because in bitcoin normally 50 percent of miners 
some people aren't aware of this, but they wouldn't be able to really steal the coins. They can stop transactions on the Bitcoin mine chain and they can censor right. it, but they can't steal people's coins. But on the side chain, like a drive chain, if 50% of miners could, in theory, steal the coins. So that's kind of the argument yes, what it is different. against it. Yeah. But it's still yeah. much better. What, what you're saying is it's still much better than the federated model because 50% of miners is much better than eight federations like, where you bring like four of them. Right. Uh, the federation has, well, one, again, one problem with the federation is that they, they, they don't, they're not punished by stealing. They just make away with the coins. Whereas the miners, if you have a situation where there's a coin, there's a base main chain, and then there's like four or five really popular side chains, and then there's like another side chain or something. If they steal from that, then the users may all panic and they may say, well, side, the sidechain idea is dead. And now all this whole stream of revenue that they would have been getting for every sidechain and the, any, the, the gain to the exchange rate, because now instead of being a coin that only does one thing, it's a coin that can do anything. But then if, if the sidechain idea is not supported, then that would all be obliterated so they at least are punished for stealing right. they have a, they have an they have some incentive to keep right stealing. yeah and yeah so that makes a lot of and sense i to have me. to stress that i uh the it's not like just they can just steal like the bip 300 idea is designed around stopping them from stealing so what i what i kind of assume is the sidechain is going to spit out the sidechain full nodes which are not mandatory. No one has to run them. But if you do, you get like four hashes a year, every three months. The sidechain will calculate what the withdrawals should be, what the TXID should be, basically. And it's very rare. And that's on purpose. That's to make it easy for people to pay attention to them. So you have one hash. With your, if it's your human eyeball, you can just see the hash and understand exactly the state of the sidechain. And when they want to withdraw on layer one, that's that hash is the thing that it, that's introduced to everyone. It makes its big debut, and then it has to make progress over the three months to reach the finish line. So everyone can easily see if that's if that's not right, and then they have until then to call the miners and assassinate them or plead with them or start up different miners or do something else. So it's not perfect, but uh, it's very, for the miners to steal would involve at least a lot of shame and possibly other feedback involving the price and involving other things. So, and involving people's ability to react by, it's possible to do a UASF to block the transaction. Many things are possible. And so the design of BIP 300 is to amplify uh, anyone's ability to reply to the miner's theft by making it as easy to detect as possible, easy as possible to do something about, easy as possible to prove that something is going wrong to other people. Uh, other people out there may, they may point and laugh, but other people may be sympathetic and may say, well, this isn't right. You know, this isn't a good idea. This isn't going well. We want to, you know, we want everything to be going well. What's going on? So it starts a feedback loop to try to correct the problem. 
And so I don't just say maybe the miners will never take the coins. There is like a plan. It's and again, it's not it's not that it's supposed to be perfect, but the way the plan works is you're only negatively you can only be stolen from if you choose to put your coins into the sidechain. So the user, you know, we allow the user to do whatever they want with their money. So I don't know. I'm not saying it will certainly be a, a big success, but the the coins will uh, like we allow people to sell Bitcoin and buy Solana or something, you know, like we can't stop them from we can't stop them from just destroying the coins. They can send them to one Bitcoin eater, don't send or they can send them to they can sell them for fiat or they can sell them for goods and services. So there's nothing we can do to interfere with the user's sovereignty. So I say, hey, I give them this option. I say, listen, you could have you could have Zcash technology, you could have Ethereum technology, you could have whatever you want, prediction market technology. Here it is, and you know, like uh, take it or leave it. You know, uh, if you want to try, and you know, people will try with a small amount of money first, the money that they're willing to lose, and then depending on what happens, all of us will learn about what the exact limit of this is. Yeah, um, yeah, that makes sense, and it's part of the model of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is about giving people more power and more responsibility and right they have the responsibility to make their own choices that's the whole point of bitcoin if we don't point of need respond, yeah uh, otherwise we might as well if you don't think people if somebody should make decisions for them then might as well go back to the central banking system right well, it's not freedom at all that would be uh you know parentalism or something so yeah. that is uh but yeah, like we we, we the, when push comes to shove, they're allowed to destroy the coins, <laughs> you know. Yeah, they can just destroy yeah. their computer. <laughs> so it's kind of like, what are we going to do? Oops. What are we going to do? There's nothing we can do. Like, uh, uh, so it's kind of like uh, again, like that's the design is uh, the design is not just free for all miners grab the coins. The design is like, okay, these are some things that almost everyone agrees on, like. Overt fifty-one percent attack can can destroy the network, and users are free to make their own choices. And also, layer one Bitcoin should not have to look at or care about anything on the sidechain. So it has like some basic ingredients that make up the design, and then from there, try to make it really, really difficult for the miners to steal, and try to make it really convenient for the user. Because again, the user doesn't have to do the three-month thing. The user can say, I have uh, 20 sidechain coins. And instead of, if I did the three-month thing, I would get 20 main chain coins. But maybe I don't want to wait three months. So they can go online and they can just sell them. They say, I'll sell these 20 sidechain coins for whatever, 19.9 or 19 and a half layer one coin. They, they happen instantly. And they'll have, they'll have nothing to do with BIP300. But because BIP300 is there, the market price will be locked into a little channel it just in practice because it can't go too far beneath a one-to-one -one thing otherwise people will just say well i mean i'll just wait three months so as long as you have someone in the whole system that is very patient everyone in the whole system is as patient as that person because that person will just buy up people's coins and then wait yes so and, that's the idea and the three month thing you're referring so you that basically means it takes three months to peg in or peg out. Peg out. Pegging in is instant. And in oh, instant pegging and in is instant. 
Yeah. But if you want to peg out, yeah, it takes three months to peg out from this drive chain into uh, Bitcoin. Back to Bitcoin core, right. And and is that part of the reason also to prevent the stealing of the coins? Is that really yes. the motivation for the... So you have three months... Withdrawal is, is uniquely identified by a, a hash. And that's the hash that the sidechain is going to say. It will be shouting the hash the whole time. So you so have everyone, three months to do something about the... Right, the, if the hashes just, don't match. Yeah. So it's pretty simple uh, ask. Obviously, it's dangerous when you say, well, the people will pay attention and then they'll do something. Like, that's kind of vague. But what I'm saying is at least it's very, very easy for anyone to tell whether or not something is going wrong. And if somebody and so, does, let's say, like, we detect, okay, I detect the miners are doing something dodgy. I've got three months. Uh, yeah. I, so what, you can, what like, could be I on do? vacation. You can, like, be on vacation. That's because the three months is also key because... People take vacations. They don't want to watch all the time. They're going to be asleep, you know. They're busy. So they can just be like on vacation. Someone can call them up and say, emergency. And they can be like, well, in two weeks when I get back from vacation, I'll look into it. Because they still have plenty of time. So that's yeah. the whole thing is that the more the easier it is for them to react, the more comfortable they are. And they, uh, the more of a deterrent it is because... If you break into someone's house at like 4 a.m., you can maybe break in and get out, get, steal some stuff and get out before they, even, before they even get out of their bed or whatever. They'll be confused. And that means you might want to try it. But if you break into their house and all of a sudden you slow down, you become really, really, really slow, and they have, you know, like a whole 24-hour period to like whatever it is, take out a... Uh, whatever a fire poker or a kitchen knife or something and you know take care of you then then you say well i'm not going to break into that house because that's a magic house where i'm going to slow down so that's kind of the idea now the things you would do they would be like uh you want to like make sure there's no like is there some kind of misunderstandings or bug in the software or something like that that's very unlikely but that's always possible and then you would say are all the miners doing this? Like, is this planned? Is this intentional? You know what I mean? Because if it's slow, again, slow means it has to be intentional. Because again, it's like you break into someone's house, but you have to stay there for a long time. Like if you accidentally break into someone's house, as soon as you realize that you've done that, you will get out. You'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, this is a mistake. I have to get out of here. But if, you, if, you're, stay, if you're willing to just keep doing it day after day, every block, you know, every block, then it's kind of like, well, this is intentional. So at least you know that, at least you know that you, you can assign blame. You know, it's not like something was like misconfigured or misunderstanding. So you have all that. And then one thing you can do is you can just say, this is very straightforward. You, since the hash is going to be more or less, I'm skipping a little bit of technical detail here, but the hash is more or less the TXID of the withdrawal. And that's the only withdrawal that can be included. So you can just say, I'm going to not allow. In the future, after the three-month thing is over, and this transaction, that's when the, TX, the withdrawal is put into a block. So you can say, when that happens, I won't allow any block to be mined on my node that contains this, this TXID. This is a banned TXID because this is bad. And again, people can do this at completely different times because it has no effect until the very end of the road. So 
in particular, it has no effect if the miners change their mind and give up. So nothing bad can ever happen to you if you do this. Um, and this is, so it's basically a UASF to block the theft. So you have a long time to coordinate it. And this is, again, the one I had in mind when I was thinking about this was there were two instances in Bitcoin's history where there was a genuine emergency and stuff had to be changed. In particular, in one sense, a lot of code, a lot of engineering had to be done and decisions had to be made. People had to be called and like they had to shut down. So one was in um, July 2015. The other was earlier. Uh, I don't remember exactly when, but I have this. I think I, I think I put this somewhere in the drive chain post. And in the, both of those instances, I think it was six hours and five hours where people, people would actually like write new code and patch the software, you know, kind of without anyone doing anything. So I was thinking like five, six hours to like write new code. But this is a very simple thing where someone can just say, they can like right click on something and say, ban this. And uh, again, they have three months to do it. And anyway, everyone can do it at a different time. And there's no software upgrading. There's no downloading new software. There's no doing anything different. It's just like, do you click the switch or not? So I was thinking this, this compares very favorably because you have way more time. It's way simpler. Nothing bad can happen to you. The only bad thing that can happen is if a lot of nodes reject the transaction and the miners just plow straight through and they say, we're determined to include this transaction, then what will happen will be your node will stop receiving blocks. But that's the only bad thing that will happen to you. And you can just wait at that point. And if you wait you know, a day or two, then you may decide to give up because they put the transaction in the chain and you aren't following it, but then you, you right click on it again and you say, okay, I unban this transaction. And then basically you're allowing the miners to steal. But the mere fact that this is so easy and so possible, again, it's like, it's like you're robbing a house and it's slow and the person has like an enormous gun above the fireplace or something and it's and it's like it's very easy to use they just like press a button and it just blows like the the whole doorway to, to shreds and so the fact that it's there may be a deterrent no one knows for sure maybe all these ideas will be terrible and everyone will think that this will never work but but the fact that it's there is a deterrent the miners might say we tried to steal but they ran a successful uh sympathy campaign in time and now we're not going to win because 80% of the nodes are determined to block this TXID. So that's one thing you can do. Another thing you can do is try and figure out, like, you know, call the people who are in charge of, uh, like, the big mining pools. The, the pools have another thing. With, there's, they're very vulnerable because the pools can be very easily replaced. The hashers are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on equipment, electricity, and they just want a return on their investment. You know, they're simple people. They don't, <laughs> they don't include transactions in blocks. Most of them don't know anything about what. Uh, there's a good uh, scaling too. They had like a minor panel. The miners were very confused about the block size. They just wanted someone to, someone just said on the panel, just can someone just tell us what to do? They live in a completely different world where they're just trying to find cheap power. Uh, and, and so something funny about them is that they, sometimes they're sort of mercenary, like where they'll just switch you know, they'll switch from BTC to BCH just based on the day and who, who pays more money when. So they kind of like, it's, uh, what's the phrase? Like, it's kind of just like, it's anyone's, 
business like they they'll they'll work for anyone they don't even they don't even know what the block they get the template the template doesn't have any transactions in it except the coinbase so they they don't even know what's going on the pools do all the thinking for the miners but the problem with the pools is the problem for them and what's good for sidechainers such as myself the pools basically have a brand they have a brand name and they have that's basically it so they get a tiny fee in exchange for organizing all this stuff and diffusing the risk so they have special software and stuff these would be the people who do the merge mining and everything so they have special software but they get a tiny sliver of a fee they get a little bit of money um and they have to attract the hash rate people take the, they plug in the physical miner and it makes a bunch of noise and they they point it at a pool and those miners can just point it at a different pool you know at the drop of a hat like it takes seconds and they can just bail on the pool if the pool does anything that they think is not in their own best interest so of course perhaps the pool will say we're going to steal from the side chain and give 99% of it to you guys, the hashers. But you know, it's just like more stuff to organize. They have to like coordinate. They have to find out a list that whether or not someone hashes, this is another kind of cool thing. They, they have to pick the destination of the sidechain funds when they start the attack. So th day zero, but it's three months later, day 90 or what have you. That's when it actually pays out. So they have to make a deal with the current group of hash rate here. But then if those miners like drop out, they can drop out and go to a different pool. Now they're already in, they're already locked in to get some of the theft. And they just say, well, I'll just, I'm locked in on the theft, but now I'll mine somewhere else uh, and get the rewards over there. Uh, and so they can't, the, the theft, sidechain theft can't change the destination of the funds once it starts. So maybe if, you know, if anything happens over the three months, if there's misunderstandings or miscoordination or just bad leadership of whoever's trying to do this attack, this would, again, just make people tend to think, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is worth it. Again, nothing's perfect. But, so you have the mining pools. So the, the pools are very easily replaceable. You start up a new pool, like, you know, in a day, you attract hash rate. So if a pool just goes rogue and tries to steal the coins, that won't work. For certain, okay. certainly will not work. Right. Okay, I get it. So in terms of implementing drive chains, so drive chains are better way to do side chains and to implement them, to have them with, within Bitcoin, we need BIP three or three double zero and three one. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. What are, what's in these bips? Why do we need them? Well, the uh, the what enforces this three month long gauntlet thing? That is what BIP three hundred does. So it will reject a block that does not that tries to withdraw from the side chain faster than the three month thing, basically. So the what the BIP 300 does what the soft fork does is it says we put coins into a, a spendable zone, but they can only be spent according to these new rules that we add, the BIP 300 rules, which are this thing, this three month long hallway that you have to go one block, you know, by at a time. 
And so what that's what enforces the long delayed slow withdrawal. Okay. And so is that part of the reason why we haven't implemented but because obviously with Bitcoin development, yes. we're very conservative. Exactly. And when it, I proposed yeah. it in November 2015, it was not a big deal. And in fact, I think in that in the next month, we activated three soft forks or something. But unfortunately, you know, for historical reasons, um, the development, uh, the the uh, overall, the project has become more slow moving and conservative. And also there's a lot of misunderstandings about this idea, I think, that still persists even among the absolute elite expert tier in Bitcoin. Uh, for a while in the Blockstream paper that I mentioned before, there is this idea that basically that merge mining is uh, has an effect, a significant effect on which miners are profitable, which I regard as a complete misconception. But uh, that made people think, well, anything that can be merged mined is actually bad. So sidechains are bad. That was a temporary thing. But a lot of people still believe that. Um, but I think that's just a mistake. You know, because think about it, like lots of things determine whether or not a miner, uh, some group of miners is profitable or not. You know, like the invention of that whole natural gas flaring thing that made some miners more profitable, some less. I could, you know, I could publish a, uh, I could uh, make an announcement and say, if miners register on my website, I'll give them a dollar every year. That might affect, you know, in quotes, that might affect uh, which miners are have that additional dollar of revenue. I could call it mergemining.com, Paul's mergeminingsite.com. And then I could say, I'll give, you know, I'll give $10 a year if the miner gives me uh, their fingerprints or something or their, ret their retinal scan of their eye or, you know, I can say anything I want and whether the miners make money is sort of up to them. So I thought this whole thing was a big, huge uh, derailment of the whole conversation. And I think it is a huge mistake. In fact, I think it's Bitcoin's biggest setback. There was this, this paragraph in uh, the Blockstream uh, sidechains white paper so there's a lot of misconceptions about the idea, but in general, I think it's just because things are slow. People like the Lightning Network. People thought after the scaling war was won, people thought miners were just evil people who had to be kept on a short leash. So miners mining became way out of favor. It wasn't until like Marty Bent and like the kind of great American mining, like that even the Bitcoin culture started to like turn back towards mining as being cool. There was like a long period, because there was a Segwit 2X, which had 83% or whatever it was of the hash power signed this sort of agreement, so to speak. So everyone hated the miners. That was like 2017, 2018. So that was a big setback for anything related to mining, which is a project, this project sort of is. So that was bad. Uh, then, I don't know, like people wanted a taproot, I guess. So that was, uh, people were more interested in lightning type things. Taproot is sort of like a lightning thing was the cooperative close, some other stuff, but people kind of got really into lightning and lightning was like the big, after the scaling war, it was like lightning is the victor, uh, large blocks, etc., is the loser. And also changing Bitcoin was seen as after the New York agreement, after the Segway 2X, anything that changed Bitcoin at all was seen as like very 
heretical, um, which is ironic because SegWit was, of course, a block size increase on. But but you know, there's a lot of ironies. But that but these are some of the factors that made it slow. Also, I was uh, I proposed the idea in 2015. But I just kind of assumed other people would uh, would would understand how great the idea was and help write the software or just write it anyway. But then in like 2016, 2017, I realized that they won't. <laughs> so I did software myself. And I was just taking my sweet time with it, going very slow. Me and the other people who are collaborating with me, we we're just kind of taking our time and going really slow. And then, uh, you know, recently I've been like, let me put out some example side chains so that people understand what this is for, they see it with their own two eyes. So we did the, we cloned Zcash into a sidechain and we cloned Ethereum to a sidechain. So, so that all that stuff didn't even happen until recently. It was just, I was sort of being, I'm partially responsible because I was going very slow. Okay. So when you say recently, when you say recently, within the last year or so? The Zcash sidechain, we sort of started it in 2020 and then we sort of finished it last year. And then we sort of, uh, we had a big upgrade to it this year because we changed the sidechain tempo around to make it very easy, minimal changes to copy the latest version of an altcoin. So an altcoin, so for example, we had Zcash 4, 4.0. They spent like a year and a half doing Zcash 5.0, but in one weekend, we could switch the sidechain from 4.0 to Zcash 5.0. So we're making it very easier to copy and we reuse that technique for Ethereum. But that was, the Ethereum was like, you know, like last month or something. That's pretty recent. So right. now it's easier for people to see exactly what they would get out of BIP 300, whereas before there was nothing like that. And before the writing of the BIPs was not, I mean, I wrote the first part, but it wasn't, it was very, I was like very philosophical. And now I deleted all that and it just says exactly what the software does. And it's very short. Okay. And so a lot of it, this is like we're explaining the arguments against BIP 300 300. It's yes. talking about the merits of drive chains and some people think it's there's merits in it and some people think there's less merit. But if we agree that, I mean, to me, it seems like it has merit. And see, it definitely seems a much better way to do things than the current model of federated side chains. That seems pretty obvious to me. Um, so, and so if we can do sidechains better, that's just a win. Yeah. And, um, the two big misconceptions were the miners can steal situation and the mine, what I call minor side hustle, this idea that merge mining is actually bad. And again, unfortunately, uh, the miners can steal was kind of like put forward by Peter Todd in 2015, but he was doing the right thing because everyone was saying sidechains, as you said, everyone was saying sidechains are, are perfect, the holy grail, blah, blah, blah. And Peter Todd found like a negative thing to say, which is always very important. You always need uh, someone to do that. But again, that miners can steal critique is dealt with by just saying the user, the user can observe and they can just say, they can wait and watch and they can say, is this right for me or not? But there's a lot of evidence suggesting it would be because again, the large block, the whole large blocker community, which is a part of the, was a part of the Bitcoin community. They were very happy with SBV validation and that's what the sidechain security model is exactly the same so we had a huge number of people who clearly were earnest in their willingness to downgrade to that security level in exchange for larger blocks so we had like there was uh, customers were lined up basically for the idea 
so that's why I think. And then you look to see today, like how many people use Solana, where you can barely even run a node. And you know, are these short-lived things? Yes, but the sidechain can also be short-lived, so it doesn't even make any difference. We could just have a yeah. sidechain, and then it could just die off, and no, who cares? It would be like a fad, but it doesn't even make any difference. So, so that's dealt with with that. And then this minor side hustle thing, unfortunately, again, it was endorsed by this idea that mer this secret idea that merge mining is bad was endorsed by the smartest of the smart people and the most high status people. So despite the fact that it was not correct, it was uh, very popular. Um, and I think still people believe it. But as I said, it's not very relevant because anything can happen in mining that will tilt the playing field. Mining is very, people are going bankrupt all the time in mining. So some people, some miners use leverage to get an advantage, but then in a bad, unlucky period, they go broke immediately. There's a natural gas flaring thing. There's this, there's, they have to make a million decisions. And the, the, the idea that this software would be a significant cost because the benefits, anyone gets the benefits. You understand that, right? It's like they just, this money is just there for the taking and in proportion to your hash rate, you just get the benefits and then the difficulty goes up as more more profits go. But the idea that the costs could be significant is also very far-fetched because it's just running more node software and that, that can be expensive. But the real, the key, kind of the key with that is regular users, like a regular full node user, they're basically a 0% miner. So they have to run the node and they get nothing. So whoever's designing this software, they need some people to be running the nodes or the network just won't exist. So they have, there's something, there's a natural feedback loop keeping it, keeping it clamped down. And if it's too expensive, then the network will just die. You know, like it, this, the other thing is if, if it's too expensive, if miners don't make a profit by running the side chain, if it costs more, then they just won't do it. And then everyone's left exactly the way we are today. So no one is worse off. Um, so, but those are the two big, uh, what I think of, of as misunderstandings and, and setbacks. And that's just yeah. too bad because I designed it with all that in mind from the beginning, because I said already we can, with the miners, with respect to the miners can steal. I said, people can already destroy their coins. They can already sell the coins for altcoins, which is the whole point of the side chain is to be a superior alternative for the altcoins as the buyer, buyer's decision, consumer sovereignty. And then with the other case of the minor side hustle, I designed BIP300 with that in mind because I was saying, well, listen, we want to protect the full node costs. When you run a full node, we want that to be cheap. That's decentralization. But we do nothing at all to make mining cheap. Mining is like a, you know, it's just, it's a runaway train of being, going wherever it wants and nothing can stop it. So, uh, in, and I have a counter argument in a post that I wrote, a secure, second security budget post that I wrote where I said, if anyone still believes this, that merge mining is, is bad because it may make it more expensive for miners or may change you know, uh, profitability, the economic scale economies of profitability of mining, then I say, you know, why not just remove the upward difficulty adjustments from Bitcoin? Because those are what really make the blocks hard to find. So that's doing way more to make the blocks hard to find than anything the, the validation is doing. So I say, oh, listen, we'll just make the, we'll set the difficulty to its, to its minimum value and just keep it there forever. But then everyone can see that that would be a bunch of nonsense. Maybe not everyone, but the experts that I'm talking about would see that 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 is uh, that's 
jumping out of that's jumping straight into uh, a disaster. But that's all it is, is it because that's what the difficulty adjustment is doing is constantly firing the bottom half of the mining industry. So yeah. it's constantly doing it's constantly causing some people to go out of business and it's constantly making some things mandatory. You know, I give you you can't you have to use an ASIC now. It's mandatory. So what's the difference between that and saying that ASICs are mandatory versus GPUs versus CPUs? What's the difference between saying ASICs are mandatory and saying natural gas flaring is mandatory or saying that merge mining, a, a lucrative side chain is mandatory? To me, there's absolutely no difference at all. It's like, you know, it's so I regard the whole idea as a, just a mistake. And I think it's a prejudice, in fact, that the developers live in the world of blockchain software and that misleads them into thinking that they can opine on merge mining when really it's no more of their business than the natural gas flaring economics would be. Okay. Everyone knows so what I, talking about that, right? Like this yeah. idea that the natural gas is flared off. Yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah. yeah. And so, but this, so, produces a, this produces a flame, this produces energy. So people said, well, we have to do that anyway. Yeah. So we'll just put a Bitcoin miner with like a with like a generator there, and then we get free Bitcoin mining. So that's that's a great idea, but that's no different than merge mining, is to or any other source of miner profitability. Okay. So I get voice to arguments, and actually, you personally convinced me on them too. I have another a third argument, possibly against it, and I have actually no idea if it's valid. But so assuming. Um, drive chains have merit, which I believe they do. And in any case, it's pretty much an optional feature for users to use. And the mining thing, I, I think if miners, some miners get more income, but I don't see a problem with that. But even if something has merit, it's not always worth it to change the Bitcoin code base, because if everybody, every, a lot of people have good ideas, but we can't implement everything in Bitcoin. We don't want the software to be bloated. So I guess my question is, is that like, is BIP 300 and 301, is that a big change? Is there any implications for the code base? Uh, because you see what I'm saying, like we can't implement yes. everybody's of ideas. Course. Um, well, uh, it's it, it's hard to actually say because you don't know the like the parameters of that assessment, right? Like at one point we had on the on the front page we had like a diff, like a code diff where you would see here's all the essential code that was changed. And I don't know, that was like um, I think that was like uh, sixty pages long if you printed it out or something like that. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if that's accurate or if that's like anymore. We did a lot of GUI stuff too, because we made like a little GUI thing where you can, uh, the user can send the coins in a little tab. And so all that stuff wouldn't really count because that's cosmetic. So that's not really part of the, it's not part of like Bitcoin D, but, um, that is like, you know, it's like a kind of, um, it's a difficult question to answer without knowing what people's parameters are. But a couple of things I can say are that it's, it's actually an optional feature. So SegWit was a mandatory block size increase to run the full node and stay with the UTXO set. Um, you needed to, well, in order to be stay at full validation, you needed to switch the software. The software actually had a completely different block 
when Segwit came out, and that was also a block size increase. So that was very burdensome on, no, you know, it doubled. Well, it really moved it from one megabyte to four megabytes, but in practice, it sort of more than doubled the, the block size, and that was more of a resource, <coughs> excuse me, more resource consumption, certainly than DriveChain would ever do, because DriveChain is just counting a little integer up. Um, the other thing is that, yeah, so not only is it small relative to that and relative to SegWit, but it's also optional. You can just not run it, and all you'll see is you'll see a bunch of uh, UTXOs accumulating a bunch of coins uh, that you think you can spend, but every time you try to spend it, uh, you never make a, a block. Your your block is never included in the blockchain. So. So in that sense, it's pretty much a it's a very light touch compared to things that have been done in the past. Um, I you know it's not really. I don't think anyone makes that criticism because they would have to actually go into the weeds and say, "Here's the CPU usage, here's the whatever, and here's." And I think if they did that, it would be, uh, yeah, we uh, we probably should do that. I mean, we did it again at one point, like a couple years ago, but it's like it's it's very. It's insignificant in this because when each new version, new versions of Bitcoin Core are released, then there's performance improvements each time. And then if you have just something simple like uh, check lock time, uh, check lock time verify, um, you know that adds a tiny little thing. But none of this is as anywhere near as significant as like you know having 500 kilobyte blocks versus one megabyte blocks versus two megabyte blocks. Like those things are that's huge because checking the signatures is very intensive for and so each as you have more space you have many more transactions and they have to check every transaction they have to update everything they have to hold the utxo set in in ram so this is very small because there's just 256 sidechains total and each one is only one utxo and so there's some you know there is overhead but uh that there's no way that it is significant in terms of the software performance where it may be, uh, some people might be able to say something where they might say, well, we just don't want, the, we have the code organized a certain way and we don't want it to be organized you know, the way we organized it. But, you know, that's kind of like a whose ox gets gored kind of situation where it's like, it's either like this or it's like that or, you know, I don't really see myself as responsible for that particular part of uh what it is so that's what i'll just say is it's very it's very low on the resource intensity like very low and the uh, segwit was a thousand times worse uh but we did that so but yeah um, uh, people are conservative and also we shouldn't do anything in bitcoin without the user's consent and consent in order to really be true consent it has to be informed to some extent it'll never be perfectly informed but you know, like if your doctor tells you something, they are required in the United States and hopefully, you know, in Australia or something, they're required to try to explain, give you some idea of what they're about to do. You know, they say, we are going to cut out your liver and put someone else's liver into your body. You know, they tell you, like, you understand, like, this is a, here are the risks. They, you'll never, you're not a doctor, so you'll never know what they know, but but you, you're supposed to get, you're supposed to have some idea. So, so the point is, we shouldn't have Bit three hundred unless people have some, they have some idea of what's going on. Um, okay. 
So yeah. I agree with that. And we should go slow. I mean, I think we're going too slow, but I guess this is from 2015, the idea. So people should really make time in their weekend to for this. So I think it's time for that. But but yeah, in general, um, we should go slow. There, uh, It's possible that uh, Bitcoin already wants to be totally ossified, as it's called, where it won't change anymore. I think it would be a mistake to do that before this because this allows it to change an unlimited degree in a safe way in the future. So this is the one thing you'd want to bank. You'd want to get this in before the ossification. But uh, yeah, you never you never know. Like the that type of argument, I think it would be better if uh, it's, it's better if like people who are very into computer science have a specific thing like a specific line of code or a specific file or something where they say we don't think this file should be like this because then you can just say well okay can i just change the file but it does the exact same thing you know then i would do that of course but i don't think anyone has any real objections of that form okay and so one last question i have for you before we finish up um so what if i I put kind of my devil's advocate shitcoin hat on. So what mm -hmm. if I say, why do we need like a sidechain anyway? Why do we need a peg if we do agree that there's potential merits in some that there might be a potential merit in experimenting with uh, with characteristics and making altcoins? Why have it pegged to Bitcoin in the first place? Why not just create a completely separate coin? not linked to Bitcoin. Well, why not do an altcoin instead, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, why do why doing it? Why not just do an altcoin instead of a drivechain sidecoin? Well, again, when this when sidechains were first proposed, the answer to that question was very self-explanatory because the whole point was, I have Bitcoin, but now someone invents whatever, Monero, and now my coins are no good. I have to sell them and buy, you know, Monero, and if I time it wrong, then Monero will get popular, and maybe Monero will get more popular than Bitcoin. The Bitcoin project will just be destroyed because so, they're very rivalrous. The projects, you know, no one wants to be the smallest coin because that's in a precarious situation. You're on death's door. But once that one dies, then there'll be a new one that's the smallest one, and so then you you don't have to be a chess grandmaster to see that. It's really nice to be on a big coin, you know, because you don't want to worry about losing all of your net worth. So that would, in the past, that was very apparent. I mean, today, I guess I would say like there was a meme I have on the uh, somewhere in the FAQ, the drive chain FAQ, where it's like the 20 years later and all these fit in your pocket or something, you know, where it's got the guy with the boom box and he's got a video camera and he's got like a fax machine. And he's got a camera and he's got like all this stuff, headphones. He's got like a radio he's got all this stuff you know he's got like a, like a vcr player and stuff so he's got all this stuff but now you have a cell phone and it's just easier to have one thing that does everything than to have all this other extra stuff you know because you you want your one coin to be able to do every single thing and that means that your your investment is never imperiled by technological progress or innovation because there's no limit to how good of an idea that someone could have tomorrow if there's the sidechain world, then you you wait for the person to have the idea, and then eventually you just make a sidechain, and then you're fine because you have the idea, no matter how good it is. 
I mean, it could always be so good that it would just blow Bitcoin completely out, but that's unlikely, right? So it's something that's so good that you would never even, you know, you would start there and it's so good it defeats a proof of work or something. So, but ignoring that, you know, just some, this, or, or a different idea. So it doesn't have to even be better. It can just be a fringe idea. So for example, on Bitcoin right now, with only one chain, no side chains, the blocks either have to be big or small. They so someone has to be turned away. If you wanted them small, then if they're big, then you're you're out. But if you wanted them big and they're small, then you're out. So you're turning people away. But in the sidechain world, you can just have everything. So you can have a really fringe idea that most people don't like, but that a few people do like. This is called the long tail, like on the internet. Like not a lot of people like whatever obscure thing, you know. But on the internet, they can all find each other. So they have like a community. Um, so like, uh, you know, anything that's kind of like really fringe or whatever, like, uh, you know, whatever it is that you like. I don't know. I can't think of a good example right now, but like uh, Ocarina of Time Randomizer or something. So something that's obscure. On the internet, uh, everyone's there. So you can find the other 500 people who are into that thing. And uh, you go there. When you go to YouTube, you go to Ocarina of Time Randomizer, and then other millions and millions and billions of other people do not. But that, but everyone's on the same YouTube. So that's uh, so it's it's pretty uh, apparent, I think, why you would why you would want to do that. The altcoin is also like it's just it, those people always need to do shilling of the coin because it's new. So you always have an announcement, and then people say like, "Will it pump?" And then there's like, "Will it get listed?" creates this whole circus so so there's a lot of reasons okay and I, also i guess you would get the security of bitcoin's hash power right right you would anything merged mine would but yeah. sidechains in particular would okay cool well i mean thanks paul for explaining that i think uh, like the more i've been reading about sidechains and drive chains i've heard about it many years ago but i never looked into it too much until recently and uh, the more i learn about it it definitely seems something that has merit um, so thanks okay, for explaining right, cool. and helping me my to, pleasure yeah is there if somebody wants to learn more about you or about the drive chains where should we go there's a drivechain.info site and I have like a Bitcoin blog at a truthcoin.info. So I truthcoin.info, I have drivechain.info. The BIPs are, the drivechain.info, the front page has links to lots of stuff. So I have videos, I have like a YouTube playlist there. I have the software. So those are the best things is to either watch YouTube videos, which most people find easy enough. Um, but also the best thing to do, of course, would be to try to download the software and watch with your own two eyes everything that's happening because we did work pretty hard in the GUI so that it would try to explain to people what is going on. Um, so those are good. And then we have links to the BIPs. We have the FAQ. We have like a peer review section. We have like other articles. We have uh, memes. We have everything. So we have stuff on drivechain.info has, has all the media presentations, talks that I've given, links to different blog posts I've written about this topic. So so there's lots of info on there. Okay, cool. Um, 
Yeah, once again, thanks, Paul, for coming on. And thanks for all your work in towards Bitcoin and trying to improve Bitcoin and pushing these ideas. And yeah, hopefully talk to you next time. Okay, great. Hey, thanks for having me.